You're listening to The Droidcast, a dog and pup production starring Roger and Tristan. Each week, this father and son team brings you news, interviews, and information about Star Wars The Old Republic. Hello and welcome to the Droidcast. This is Roger coming to you on January 2nd. And on behalf of Tristan and myself, I would like to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year. Um, this year, I'm thinking that our resolution is going to just be to play a lot more Star Wars. And we do that for you guys, our listeners. We are that selfless that we're not trying to make ourselves better people. No, we are going to make you better people by bringing you all the news that you need for Star Wars. I, I think that's a good idea. What do you think, kiddo? I think that's a great <laughs> idea. And it's probably one a resolution that's going to be, uh, that we can actually hang on to and not break within a month or two. So that's awesome. Yeah, and give you all information. <laughs> there you go. We actually did put in a lot of time, as you would expect, playing over the holidays. Tristan's been on his school holidays, and then I've taken some vacation time from work. And uh, so we've been actually putting in quite a bit of time. We've gotten our characters that we play together, our Imperial Agent and Bounty Hunter, up to level 25 and a half-ish right now. We just picked up our speeders yesterday, which helps so much and looks really cool flying around on the special speeder well yeah the one that you get from both the collectors as well as the digital uh, collectors or whatever it was called um that speeder is just drop dead slick as hell gorgeous i actually had been working on my cyber tech and I was very excited about the prospect of being able to make my own speeders. It's kind of like in World of Warcraft where you get to make your your mounts. However, the, the motorcycles that you can make in World of Warcraft are awesome. The speeder, the first level one at least that you make in Star Wars is crap. I'm sorry. Looks but, like a cardboard box. Uh, it's hit, it does. It looks like those, <laughs> it looks like the little, um, uh, those little um, race car things that you make when you're a kid out of a box and you roll down a hill, that's what it looks like. It's absolutely terrible. I, I really am disgusted. Like, I worked hard to get my guy up to high enough level to be able to build it because um, just being able to to scavenge all the mats and everything, and then I'd gotten some from you, and then I make it and bring it up, and I was disgusted. I was disgusted that it's bound on pickup as well, so you can't make any for your other characters which which sucks i'm sorry but i i understand that you want some things that are bonuses just for each profession but that's a money maker as well and you really need that for cyber tech so i was kind of disappointed and then when i saw the damn thing oh my god poop on a skip stick that's what that was hopefully sooner you're gonna get the really cool ones though you have a purple for level 40 or 50? That one there is for 50. The one for 40 is um, is just a rare. It's blue, same as the other one. So who knows what the other two look like. I'm sure we've probably seen them from other people speedering around, but you can't tell where they got it kind of thing. And there's, there's quite a number of different ones that you can get as well. I've been hearing from people uh, to make sure to check. Well, I've seen it as well. You can buy a speeder on Tatooine. So I picked up one quite by accident. <laughs> Be careful how you click when you're viewing things uh, on Tatooine. And that I picked up for my bounty hunter, which is also, who's also 25 and, or 26. I think he just dinged actually. And, um, and so you can get some there. You can also get some on cash, which are some of those are the much higher level ones. I'm not quite certain of all the levels that are on cash, but one of them is freaking, it looks like a hog with the long, <laughs> with the long nose, like a motorcycle. It's very, very cool. And then, um, I think that's it. No, you could get some at the Imperial Fleet as well. Yeah, the Imperial and the Republic Fleets, you can get some different ones as well. They're friggin' expensive, though, so make sure to bring your credits. Except some of them are very cool, including the Shadow. What was it yes. called? The something Shadow? Yeah, that one is very, very cool. It's 25,000 credits, though, so that's yeah. quite a bit. Speaking you have of... to tack on, like, the 100,000 credits for... 
the training. Yeah, yeah, the training is very expensive. You can make it. Obviously, we did as well on all of our characters. However, you have to be somewhat stingy with your money for a little while. You're not going to want to be sending your characters on as many uh, mission skills and, and gathering skill missions to to get materials to craft with for a little while unless you're planning on selling any extras that you you have because quite frankly you make more money from doing your questing and from doing your space combat and things like that than if you're blowing in on crafting i mean if some people swear by the crafting they can make money and whatnot but then you're spending a lot of your time at the galactic trade network which to me is not as much fun. So I've, I've done that on WoW, playing the auction house, and I, and I did justifiably make a lot of money. But I'm finding now that with mine, like with all of my characters, because I also have my, my smuggler is now level 32 or 33, and I'm finding that the professions when I'm getting, say, extra uh, diplomacy or investigation missions or whatnot from slicing and whatnot, you check them on the Galactic Network, and it, of course it varies per server and it varies on the economy, but you're really not making all that much. And with the nerf that we just got from patch 1.01 on slicing, that has thrown the economy for a loop now because the the people who had slicing who were using the money that were they were getting from slicing to buy crafting materials and and missions and other things like that well now because they're losing money on slicing and i can i can attest to this because i have several characters with slicing and it is now a losing profession you're not making money which was the whole point of it was that it was a crafting profession it was a non-crafting profession for people who don't want to craft that they can use that extra money to buy whatever they want kind of thing and and you're not right now you're losing money and those who would say well you're making it based on the augments or on the um the uh, mission schematics or whatever that you get th- that is simply not the case you can buy mission or er, schematics now fairly cheap because people aren't making any money off of them so they they've really I said it on Twitter to them (laughs) directly, saying Bioware needs to learn how to swing a Nerf bat. The point of it is to bruise the target, not to lop their head completely off. And that's what we found with with slicing. It's, anyways, there's my little rant. (laughs) But flying does get you money. If you do that daily flying thing, you can get like 10,000 within half an hour. We're going to need to actually really time it to see exactly how much it takes how long it takes and exactly how much you pull from it because it's five minutes for each one so that's like 25 minutes for for all the ones that we have at our level right now yeah because you had pulled out you had made twenty thousand twenty five thousand to put towards your speeder the other day and that was solely from space combat that was like 45 minutes of space combat twenty five thousand dollars and a level yeah so that is something that i anticipate will either be nerfed or they're going to keep it like that just to further entice people to do it because there are still a lot of people who aren't as crazy about space combat i will say however i am not one of those people the important thing that i found with space combat however now on my smuggler he does not have as many uh, of the bonus mods and all that on his ship. And that's just a purely money and materials thing because I've got my, my cyber tech on the Republic side is another character. And so he doesn't have quite as many things on his. And I find that some of the space combat is a pain in the butt. It's, it's, it's damn near impossible. But that's because those mods make a big difference. Now, flip side, my bounty hunter and imperial agent have four or five each on their their each of their ships cyber tech because my cyber tech is is uh is higher and uh, i've got more materials and more of the schematics on the imperial side and so and i made sure to set them up and i've been sending you some as well and i find that that makes a ton of difference my bounty hunter i go out and i do the space combat with him and it's a joke it's it's a blast i i absolutely love it and i do some of the same ones over and over again in the same night not just in terms of the dailies but just to do them again because they're fun i enjoy them even though it's again on rails like they like to say which is what it is i still find that it's a lot of fun 
especially with the asteroid belt place. Yeah. Why is it next? Oh, I can't remember all the names. We'll have to pull them up. One of the episodes will talk just about what you do in some of the space combat so that folks are, are more uh, uh, aware of what the, what they're getting into. But, but that yeah. place is really fun because not only are you shooting at the enemy, you're dodging around asteroids as you're shooting. And it is, that's one of the, the ones that is more fun. That's one of the ones as well where you have to really conserve your missiles because you need them for when you pass over the great big warships to take out those turrets. And if you wasted all of your missiles on just the ships flying by, then you're going you're, to fail it. Yeah. So... And that one there I find is a lot of fun as well because you're using more so than the other ones. You're using your peripheral vision a lot because, like you said, you got to go around the asteroids without hitting them because that takes a hell of a lot out of your ship health. And then you also need to be shooting at the ships that are passing by. Note I'm excited for as well. What's that? Photon torpedoes. <laughs> You actually get photon torpedoes in the game. Well, I'm going to be, uh, as we're leveling up, I'm going to be able to make more of the schematics for our ships because I've already got them on the characters. It's just a matter of leveling up enough that we can use them. I am a little disappointed that either we have not found them yet or they're just not there. And that's a little disappointing. I'd like a full list of what's out there um, that's accurate as well. And I don't know that all of the database sites like Torhead, I don't know that they're fully accurate yet. Because at the Galactic Trade Network, you get to see pretty much what's out there. Although some of them are quite rare, so you don't see those schematics, say. Because they're snapped up pretty fast, which is something that I found. I wanted to buy an armor one. And while it was on my screen, I bid on it. And then, boom, it was gone. Somebody else got it at the same time. Now, like the special uh, hat. Yeah, that there too. No, that actually was the the problem with that is that it was on the imperial side, but it was for smugglers, so it's not. That would be nice to it. do as well to put it so that they do. The we just haven't found it yet. There is a a trade network that is cross faction. We, I'm just not sure where it is. It might be on Tatooine, but I'm not positive. We'll look it up. Uh, we'll let folks know next week. But anyway, so. We have been having a lot of fun, and we are finding that the mods do make a, a big difference. Space combat is justifiably a lot of fun. And the fact that they're working on new space combat missions for us, I have a feeling that they're going to continue to put quite a few in there because it is something that they are working on. They have said that the, that is something that they plan to pursue quite a bit as time goes on. Okay, so now let's move away from that now and touch on some of the news. The biggest one, of course, being... Patch 1.01. Now there was always there was already another little patch that was put out uh, uh, the point. 01A, I believe, and that was on the 29th. That one had just minor bug, bug fixes for the most part. But the big one, of course, was 0.01. That was on the 27th. Now, this one here, the, the main thing is, is that they claimed, claimed, quote unquote, to have fixed the gathering node problem where it appears on your map, but you can't actually gather that node. For and, the most part, it does yes. work, though. Yeah, I will give you that. For the most part, it does, but it is very annoying when you land on a planet, and it doesn't matter how many times you log off and back on again, it does not matter. And that's what I found last night on Narshada. On Narshada, there were entire zones where I could not scavenge anything, and it's frustrating as all hell when you really need those materials, but you can't get them because they're not accessible. You can see them. They're right there. They're sparkling, but you can't access them. So... They obviously still need to work some more on that. They also fix a bug that caused a global cooldown to display incorrectly with the UI. And I'm finding that that's something that we're talking about in Guild as well, where people are getting a little ticked off with the global cooldowns and, and not being able to queue up uh, spells as much. And it's something that as a caster you're finding or arranged where you're 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 like a, an imperial agent or the gunslingers, uh, smugglers. It it is more of a pain in the butt. I I'm hoping that that is worked on. They did work on um, the the companions getting it or no the the uh, the pets being attacked. Yeah, by vanity mods. pets. Yes, that's oh. something that you found. Yeah, I was running through with my um, what you call it? Little robot mouse droid. Yeah, the, the one mouse that you droid. get from the collectors. And you're running forwards and it says you're in combat and you look back and there's just like 20, 30 enemies attacking <laughs> this little tiny droid. I haven't seen that yet. I it's haven't. Like, 
I haven't even it was seen the them do dog that to you. Things too, so it was like dogs chasing a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's one that they worked on. They worked on speaking of companions, they worked on the problem with Kyra right now where her affection progress it becomes blocked. However, from what I've seen and read, however, and I could be wrong, but this is what I've been reading on the forums, it's not fixed for people who had the problem initially. It's still blocked for them. It's only for anybody creating a new character that it's fixed. So uh, I'll look into that a little bit more to see whether or not it has once again been fixed for those people as well. But from what I'd read, it hadn't been. And then we were talking about the gathering skills. They, they beat the crap out of slicing. And like I said, in my opinion and a lot of other people's opinion, they point blank broke it. Slicing, in my opinion now, is broken. I've got slicing on three characters and on two of them it's maxed out and i have been doing a variety of missions keeping track of whether it's a, a moderate a rich and abundant yield keeping track of how much it costs to send your companion out on said mission and how much you can expect to get back yeah and it's starting to get like you pay a thousand to get 500 yeah it's a losing proposition at this point. And then when you luck out and you get an additional mission or schematic or something like that, unfortunately, again, if you check your Galactic Trade Network, it varies per server, of course, but the ones that I've gotten, which have been enough of them, I'm checking, you're you're not going to be recouping the money from that that you would otherwise. So then your other option is to do the augments and hope that they sell well on the, the uh, Galactic Trade Network. So slicing right now is very, very broken. Now, some people will tell you that it was making far too much money before. I will agree that it was making a lot. Far too much, however, I will disagree. But it was making a lot, yes. Could it have used a nerf? Yeah, for sure. Nerf it down some, take it away so that you're not making quite as much. But what people fail to see, that all the people who've been complaining that, oh, stop complaining that it got nerfed, blah, 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 now you like the, the rest of us. It's not supposed to be like the rest of the crafting professions. It's supposed to be the one that you have when you don't want to do crafting. Or if you want to substitute some of the, um, like on my smuggler, say, as an example, I have... I decided that he would be more of a gatherer versus a crafter himself so that he could gather the materials for my other Republic characters and they would be the crafters. So he has um, slicing and he has underworld trading and he has, uh, blah, 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 what's the other one? He has scavenging, okay? Well, slicing now, he is losing money. So... The money that I was making that I was using to buy more materials for my Republic characters to use for crafting and all that. So that money was being funneled back into the game's economy, back into other players' pockets, not just wasting it on, say, mounts or things like that, which just is a, a credit funnel for... Uh, a black hole for for bioware so that they can make it so that you know people don't get uber uber rich it wasn't that it was being fed back into the economy and now i don't have that and it's the same on the imperial side with my slicers now so that is affecting then the people who were relying on their extra materials via scavenging or bioanalysis or whatever that they were selling on the galactic trade network well that is affecting them because they they're either not selling them anymore or not selling them for nearly as much so it had a huge impact on the economy of the game and i'm really hoping they fix that again there's a there's a difference between nerfing something so that it is not as effective or breaking it. And unfortunately, they broke slicing. There was also a stealth nerf on reverse engineering. This is, you are not discovering the next levels of your uh, your schematics or whatever from reverse engineering now. Which really sucks for me since I'm armor tech, so I'm just reverse engineering all my stuff. Instead of 1 out of 10, it's like 1 out of 20 now so yeah it's it is something that is making a difference because of the, the the reverse engineering is i i can see why they did it because they want 
it to be more rare. They want the schematics to be more rare. However, when you're looking at the amount of money that you need to sink or time to scavenge or whatever your, your materials, and then to the hit that the economy took with the slicing nerf has an impact on this as well. So that was a little disappointing. There's a lot of people that are disappointed with that. Uh, what else do we have here in the notes? That was pretty much it, actually. There was not much else. Of course, they did. They made some changes to some of the flashpoints and some operations as well. Basically, bug fixes at this point here. They're also making it so that uh, PvP lockboxes can't, can't be sold for, for uh, credits. Um, they are doing some more stuff with the PvP, which is something that we have not yet tackled, simply because, in my opinion, and <laughs> I've been hearing guild members complaining about this, PvP right now is broken because when you put in level 10s with level 50s that's broken they need to seriously work on that if they want people to enjoy pvping and unfortunately as it stands you're only going to enjoy pvping once you hit 50 and you don't have to worry about some trooper who's level 50 standing there in the middle just obliterating anybody who comes close to him so that's something that they need to work on yeah, it would be fun if they did like battlegrounds and made it the same level of people fighting each other. Yep, and that's what they need to do because unfortunately as it stands now, it's it's terrible. Uh, the last thing that they did fix was that the splash screen is no longer going to display longer than the accept changes screen, which comes up when you change your resolution. We found that out. We actually, we had to change the resolution on the rig upstairs. And unfortunately this created a hell of a problem for us. We managed to get the proper resolution, which involves well, very, very fast clicking and a pen tablet <laughs> to be able to accurately click exactly where we needed to for the accept uh, and then it was literally only a couple of days later that they actually changed this so moving away from the patch notes now what we wanted to do was take a little bit of time to talk about crew skills and the breakdown and how it works for people who haven't yet dove into it just to quickly go over some of what you can expect and how it works together because this is something that is huge in this game and even with its flaws I'm still finding it very enjoyable that said I've been hearing from more and more people who have maxed out their crew skills and maxed out in <clears throat> pardon me in level who are saying that unfortunately the higher end tier of craftable materials don't compare to what you can get either from commendations or from PVP or things like that. I'm really, really hoping that that will be fixed because the the crafting is such a robust system in the game. It'd be great if it was something that wasn't just a, a complete and utter waste of time when you look at it at the end. So looking at the crafting skills, you're looking at either armor tech, Arms tech, artifice, synth weaving, cyber tech, or biochem. Now, your armor tech is, of course, your um, your armor that you're going to use either on your bounty hunter, your Sith Inquisitor, or sorry, your your um, your Imperial agent, your smuggler, or your trooper. And then your arms tech is for the same classes, and that is, of course, the weapons that you're going to use. Your artifice is for your lightsabers and things like that, and that's going to be for your force users, your Jedi Consular and Knight, and your Sith Warrior and uh, Inquisitor. Then your synth weaving is the equivalent of the armor tech, only it's for the... Force users. Exactly. Your cyber tech is they, they, they say more so for your non-force users. However, your force users can also use them because you're going to put them in for um, your ship and things like that as well. And for your ear pieces. Yeah, well. yeah. And then you got your biochem. No, yeah, your ear, yeah, your ear pieces you do. And um, your biochem is basically for everybody. Now, the way it works is that you also have your gathering skills, and you have your mission skills. Those are very different. Now, your crafting skills, you can only take one of, or you can take none. And then your gathering skills and your mission skills, that's where you can take up the remainder of your, your your because you have three that you can use. Now, you don't have to take just one of each. You can bundle up like I've done on different tunes on uh, one or the other. The thing to keep in mind is that if you intend to be 
someone like us who enjoys playing alts. And in this game, more so than any other game, I don't see my other characters as alts per se because they are all so very distinct and I enjoy playing them all that it doesn't feel like a main and an alt. It's just there are all the characters that I play. And because of how the the professions work, you can, or I should say the crew skills, you can work together with all of your characters so that you can have a bonus, say. Now, the way this works is that when you are using, say, arms armor tech, you're going to get the materials that you need for armor tech from scavenging, which is a gathering skill, and underworld trading, which is a mission skill. So for each of the crafting, you're going to need to have the equivalent gathering skill and mission skill, or you're going to be picking the items that you need up at the Galactic Trade Network. Now, the the the, the little wrench in the, the equation here in the is slicing, because slicing doesn't work with anything. Slicing is, again, supposed to be your moneymaker, and it is where you're getting your augments, which we'll get into in a little bit later on. And it is also where you are getting your, potentially, when you get bonuses, where you get your uh, extra missions or you get um, different schematics and things like that, which is awesome, because then you don't have to work at reverse engineering everything and hoping that you'll get it. So... The thing that you can do, the thing that to keep in mind is, and we have this fantastic graph, which I'm not taking credit for. We actually got it from somewhere else. But there, we have a graph on the site right now that shows how each of the crafting skills, how they work and what they need from both gathering and missions. The thing that's great is that several of each, um, several of the crafting, each need the same gathering skill or mission skill. Such as scavenging and underworld trading, most of them use it. Yeah, well, yeah, quite a few. Three of them use them. So if we're looking at, again, um, let's let's look at artifice and synth weaving. Now, let's say you intend on playing both a Sith warrior as well as a Sith inquisitor on one server, okay? Well, your, your artifice, which is your lightsabers, needs archaeology as a gathering skill, and it needs... Uh, what are we looking at? Treasure, Treasure hunting. hunting. Yeah. Now your your synth weaving, which is the ability to make your armor for your force users, needs archaeology as well, and it needs underworld trading. So that means that your characters are going to need to split between them. Uh, obviously, the gathering skill for both of them, like put your, say, your warrior artifice and your inquisitor synth weaving. But then your archaeology, because both of those are going to need archaeology, you don't need archaeology on both of them. You can share the materials that you're going to get from one of them with both of them. So that means that one of these guys can take slicing if they want to make extra money, potentially if they fix slicing, or for a chance at extra schematics and things like that. And then each of them can also take the appropriate mission skill, the underworld trading or treasure hunting, so that they get the other, the remainder of the materials that they'll need. And it's that beauty of being able to really mix in what your alts are going to need, your characters are all going to need, and take slicing on extra characters. Case in point, when you're looking at scavenging, well, arm, armor tech, arms tech, and uh, cyber tech all need scavenging. Well, you only need scavenging on one character. I mean, you can put it on more so that you have a wealth of materials that you can also sell off or use or whatever. But again, if you're reverse engineering everything that you're making as well, you're going to get back a lot of those materials. So that means that you suddenly have a lot of leeway in terms of what gathering skills you want to use or mission skills. Anything you want to add? Not really. It would have been nice if they didn't nerf the slicing as much so that you can have better money for all your characters to help with. Yeah, again, that's where you need to look at whether something needs to be sliced or not. Because if the, say, slicing on one character is making enough money to support all of your characters, that's when you know it needs to be nerfed. For sure. But if it's not even supporting one character anymore and it's losing money for them, that's when you know you have a problem. So they have to 
they have to fix that. So your your crew skill breakdown, you can you can get your your uh, you can train at level one actually, but most people are going to wait till they get to the Imperial fleet, and they'll get it at um, level nine or ten ish kind of thing, and you can level to four hundred max immediately. There isn't a level requirement for your level, your character's level, and as long as you have the materials necessary, you can keep leveling. Now, the beauty of the system is that you can just basically, if you have multiple characters, just keep logging out and back in under different characters and keep sending them on different missions to go and do things. This is going to cost you, though. Keep that in mind because each of those missions costs you money as well. So you have to factor in how much they're going to make versus how much you're going to be spending. But you can level up your skills fairly quickly. The beauty of this also is that by doing that and by reverse engineering things right away, you have a, a higher likelihood that you will then get a higher level, a purple, you know, uh, an epic item that you can then craft for all of your characters or some of your characters, which makes it great for leveling because then you can make these fantastic higher level items that will make the leveling process easier for you, especially if you're soloing. Yeah, but some of the really cool things that you can get from reverse engineering are for the biochem, really cool. For the med packs, not only does it give you more health, but you can reuse the same one multiple times. Yeah, that is very, very good. The problem with that, though, is that it also affects the economy because then people are less likely to be buying the products that biochem um, people make and put up on the Galactic Trade Network if they can just have this reusable one instead. So that has an impact on it as well. The, the, the really nice thing about reverse engineering as well is that you also have a chance when you get those higher level artifact items, the purple ones, you have a higher chance of actually unlocking an extra slot in those, which then is used for the augments that the slicers can make. And that's where the slicers can also make some additional cash by selling those on Galactic Trade Network. However, because not everybody's going to get to those autumn items that have the augments, especially because it's rarer now to do that, then it affects how many of those augments can be sold by the slicers on the Galactic Trade Network. But it is a, a cool mechanic. And if you are doing all of this on all of your characters, the symmetry between them is a lot of fun to play with. Now, I personally have been holding off, I should say had been holding off on making too many characters simply because I wanted my legacy system in place first before I started leveling them up. Because unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, you get eight slots per server. There are eight classes per server. Now, a lot of us have already made our characters to reserve our names and whatnot, but once the legacy system is fully in place, they have said that one of the things they want to do is give us additional character creation options. Well, if you've already created your character and potentially leveled him up as well, you're not going to want to delete that character just to recreate another one with, you know, other options and then character creation options. And then you, you're not going to have more than eight characters on there. And so that kind of throws a wrench in it again, where you're not going to be able to potentially use all of the legacy things. So I've been holding off on playing all of my characters that I really am dying to play. And I'd wanted to get at least one character to legacy um, and that turned out to be my smuggler. I had actually been anticipating more of a you know, hoopla <laughs> once I got legacy, but no, you finish your first act and then basically you get a mail message saying, Hey, congrats, you're, you're going to do your legacy now. And then you, once you go back to your ship, a screen comes up and saying, select your legacy name. So I'd actually been told by someone that there was someone you needed to fight, but I think they were mistaken. And that was actually part of another quest kind of thing, but, uh, it's, it's fairly simple and you pick your legacy name and then you can decide how you want to display on your character. If at all, the, the, the thing is, again, right now, we know very little about what they're planning to do with it. I've already and reached. they haven't said when they're exactly. going to put it out either. Yeah. So, but I, at least I have it. And you're not far behind. You should get yours soon enough as well. So I've been working now on my other characters to towards the legacy. Um, 
and I've gotten my legacy up to two and a half now. So that's good. So when it finally comes out, I will have those options. But it does mean that I can't dabble on all, well, I can, but I, I'm not likely to dabble on all my characters, which is what I would like to do. Dabble on all of them because they're all so much freaking fun. But I'm not going to level a character and the professions. And then when Legacy comes out and they say, oh, look, you know, not just a character creating creation option, but hey, here, why don't you play this fish dude now? That give, We're giving you the option of playing as this fish type character, the, the, uh, it's a trap guy, you know, <laughs> like if they give you the option of playing as him as a smuggler or whatever, well, you're not going to want to have to delete a level 10 or whatever character just to do that. So I'm really hoping that the information about Legacy comes out soon so that we can be a little bit more prepared and uh and uh and and be able to play those freaking characters it would be really cool if they actually put it out soon so that not only could we see what it is we could actually use the things they put in yeah well that's the thing and we because we don't know yet now a suggestion that i would have for bioware if you're listening and if you're not you should be uh (laughs) one of the suggestions that i have is that these character creation options that you're planning on putting in the game allow us to apply them to existing characters that's what i would like to see and that way we can do the same thing as is in um a world of warcraft where you can go to the hairdresser and change your hair or your you know the certain attributes that you have after character creation if they do the same thing here that would allow us to you know change our appearance afterwards it would mean that at least we can play those characters that we want to play and not have to worry about having to you know delete them or not being able to make the most out of the legacy system if they tell us okay now you have the option if you want you can change the race of your existing characters to include this race here so you go from human to you know whatever and then not a faction change but just a species change within your faction that would be really good for if they put out new species as well like to keep people in as you said before yeah yeah it is something that i'm hoping we're going to see now some of that i know that as they introduce new species in that that are not part of legacy but just in that's to keep people interested in playing and and wanting to keep making characters and all it's because that's a large part of this game however in terms of strictly the legacy system if they allow us to input that in post character creation just because we're limited to those eight slots and eight classes per server i think that's something they seriously need to consider now moving away from that we're actually going to take some time to talk about the book the hardcover book that came with the collector's edition of the game if you which bu- is very cool book yeah well yeah if you got the actual hard copy the collector's edition one that included the statue as well one of the cool things actually wasn't the statue or the soundtrack or anything like that it was this hardcover book that came along with it that had such a wealth of information about the game and the history and things like that, that it makes you appreciate everything that you're experiencing in the game and look forward to potential additions later on as well. Now, I haven't had a chance to read the book yet. I actually, my copy hasn't arrived yet. <clears throat> Joe, get off your butt and mail me my my hard, my collector's edition. But you actually have read the entire thing and you were telling me some of the stuff on there. So I'm actually going to let you go through this and tell me, and we'll talk about a lot of the stuff that was in that hardcover book. It was a very interesting book, especially for someone who doesn't know very much about Star Wars history. It is very interesting to see some of the things that happen, some of the things that are going on. Okay, so what do you want to talk about first then? Well, first I'll just name the book. It's called The Journal of Master Nyas Dural. Hope I'm saying it right. And it was compiled by Jedi Grandmaster... Satelli Shan. Satil. Satil yeah. Shan. Who we see in many of the tra- trailers. Um, she is the Asian-looking woman. I don't know if she's Japanese or Chinese or Korean, but she's the Asian-looking woman and uh, who just kicks butt whenever she's in any other. <laughs> she's the one that stopped the lightsaber from the guy with her hands in that one trailer. 
And she plays a large part in the entire, um, both Republic and Imperial, you deal with her. She, she plays a very large part in the story. But it starts off with this Master Nyasterau, and it shows his story from Padawan to Master. And it shows how in the starting of, as a Padawan, he was, he had to learn through the library and the archives. And he, the stuff he learned and went out to find what really happened and all that. There's some really interesting species that he talks about. There are only two that I'm going to talk about, but it's the Rakata and the pure blood Siths. Now, for people who think that by pure blood Sith we mean what is currently in the game, surprise, surprise, no, that's not them. There, there was pure blood Sith before those guys. Those people are way more human with years of living with human. I'll talk about that later, but it is very interesting story for them both. Yeah. So tell us about the pure blood Sith. The Sith are actually the natives of Korriban where the Sith began. That is because the Sith are named after these creatures. The creatures are a humanoid form sort of thing, but with red skin, but they have sort of tendrils instead of hair and much like more gruff looking. Yeah, the the tendrils that you see on the current some of the current Sith are nothing compared to if you look at the images of the Sith in this this book. No, these guys are far more feral looking, bigger, a lot of tendrils kind of things and and the you can see how the current Sith in the game are a watered down version of these guys. The evolution of them. Yeah. But they were like connected to the force in ways that other Jedi could never get to. By the time a normal Jedi takes 10 years, they could do what that Jedi did within a matter of months. They were insanely strong in the force. And these uh, corrupted and fallen Jedi that went to their world actually... Pretty much were they, they were called gods in the eyes of the Sith because they couldn't do anything the Jedi could do. The Jedi could use the force in ways that they never imagined. So then they became more in tune with the force and not only are they strong in it, they learned how to use it. Yeah, it was something where in the, they were, they had more potential than the Jedi, just because of how quickly they learned and how powerful they were. It's just they had not yet learned everything. So they got all of that from the fallen Jedi who were there. But then war started where they began to question the strength of the Jedi and wars started until finally they went to find the Jedi, the real Jedi, the knowledge seekers, and fought them. But the Jedi, seeing how they were an enemy, they the Jedi actually went to Korriban and hunted the Sith to extinction. Yeah, that's something that you read about also in the Revan novel where they reference that, that, that hunt to basically make the Sith a, an extinct race. But everyone thinks of the Jedi always brave and noble, but after you hear that, you actually think different because... They killed an entire species. Yeah. What's uh, something that I wanted just to interject here, and it, it fits in with exactly what you're saying. It's funny because when you are playing this game, and I know that before the game came out and we had a chance to, to try it and whatnot, I was thinking about how it would be difficult to play as an Imperial side class and not be evil or to, you know, to, to, to force yourself to play as a bad guy. Because... Most people still will choose the right side or to do the right thing, even in a game kind of thing. Not everybody, of course. I like playing dark side characters as well. But 
it's it's when you're thinking about it, well, how would you justify fighting against the Republic? If you're looking just at, at the movies and whatnot and some of the lore, you're thinking, oh, they've done no wrong. Everything they want to do is for good. But then when you play as an Imperial class, however, and you really pay attention to the quests that are out there, that's not the case. The, the, the Republic have done some terrible, terrible things. They tell themselves, yeah, they tell themselves they're doing the right thing because they're on the Republic and they wipe out people. They kill everything if they need to. And you see that also when you are doing quests for the Republic side and all of a sudden things come up and you're you're thinking, wow, that kind of option is something that should have been given, say, on the Republic imperial side not here you wouldn't think that that's something that the republic would be encouraged to do and yet they are in some cases it's a very slippery slope and and it's really not a clear good versus bad so go on what else we got that's that's pretty much i'm going to talk about them a bit later in the book but that's pretty much all there is for the sith Pure and blood. Then there was the Rakata. Rakata. Yeah, that's the other one you were talking about as well. They were actually the first people to discover the Force decades before anyone on Tython discovered the Force, which is where the Jedi started, and Jedi leading to Sith. But not only did they discover the Force, they learned how to channel it and use it in different ways that are advance beyond belief for that time period right they are also known as the infinite empire which you may have heard if you find the datacrons in the game the datacrons all say they were made by the infinite empire and these are the people that created it that is really cool to know actually that's something that's when you're you're playing the game, that doesn't come up. At least I've not seen that come up yet where it's explained in detail. So I was really kind of like, oh, awesome. Okay, now I know. Not only did they make the diacrons as well, though, but they're the people that made the Starforge, which is the thing that Nicaea Republic revolves around the first game. Okay, what else you got? There's the Jedi code of life there is no emotion there is peace there is no ignorance there is knowledge there is no passion there is serenity there is no chaos there is harmony there is no death there is the force this was made by the jedi in the very starting to stop them from falling to these temptations to falling to ignorance passion then chaos and that's how they started they that's how the sith started they became these fallen jedis who fell from the path of peace knowledge and those things and started working with what you would call like the dark arts they became they started finding out things that you could do with the force they were changing species they were able to manipulate and turn species into different things then they began doing that with themselves to make themselves stronger and find immortality this started the hundred year darkness which was a war of 100 years where these corrupt jedi fought the jedi the jedi that stood for knowledge then the jedi that stood for power throughout this fight Many Jedi of both sides died, but in the end, knowledge won over. But the Jedi who fought for power still lived, and escaping, they fled to Korban, which they found out the Sith lived on, which I've talked about. But they started changing the ideas of the Sith, and showing them what they really could do with the force but they weren't showing them the jedi way they were showing them how to do terrible things then the sith joining the jedi path the fallen jedis and calling themselves the sith started to fight the jedi and not only did they fight the jedi they fought each other and wars began 
with these Sith purebloods fighting the Jedi because they thought they had become better. There were a lot of very interesting things that came of this, including the Jedi going to Corban to kill all the Sith. But some of these Sith escaped. A few thousand of them escaped, which meant that the Jedi still killed millions of these people. One of the ones that escaped as well was Nega Shadow, which you hear about a bit in both of the Star Wars games. But this Sith fled to Yavin 4, in which all Jedi that went there were corrupted, turning into the Sith, only to come back with people congratulating them, thinking of them highly, right before these corrupt Jedi would kill everyone. There's a lot of stuff that happened in these dark times, as they were known, which, with terrible things happening and people using the new force to do these terrible things. It is something, again, that I, I'm, I'm going to keep pushing that Revan novel for, for folks who are interested. Definitely pick it up and read it. It's, it's a fantastic novel, and it'll help you appreciate this, too. Some of this is only referenced kind of thing, but it's still enough to make you appreciate what happened. And again, it's one of those where it makes you appreciate the work that went into creating all of the quests on both sides so that it's not a very clear definition of who is right and who is wrong because quite frankly in it it, it changes it flip-flops in some cases the imperials are right in what they're doing and it's not about oh i'm playing the bad dude so yeah they're right no no in some cases you look at what's happening and no it was wrong in in some of the things that were done by the Jedi, like in this here, it's one of those situations where they feel that the ends justify the means. And that means that they think that, you know, it's it, they cannot take a chance of a Sith uprising again. So they're just going to kill them all. And that's just pure evil. You, It doesn't matter if you're good or bad. You're obliterating a race. And so, again, it makes you appreciate the complexity of the questing that's in the game. A few thousand of these Sith survived, though, so you might actually see a real pureblood Sith. That would be crazy if they actually put it into the game. Yeah, we were talking about this off-air, and it is something that makes us very excited. Very, very excited. Like... It's, it's, it's an MMO mechanic where you're going to continue to introduce new races for people to play, not just to keep your existing players in, but also to entice new players to sign up or to bring them back other players who have left. Um, and so it's something that we're seeing, we've, we have seen and are going to see again in World of Warcraft as well as other games. And so I'm already looking at things in the Star Wars game and wondering how cool would it be if kind of thing. And when you were talking to me about those Sith, the, the really pure blood Sith, I was thinking, how cool would it be if they allowed you to play as one of them? Or how cool would it be if you got one of them as a companion? I'm not talking about Lord Scourge and all of his power and things like that that you get as a, a Jedi Knight. No, I'm talking about a, 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 a pure blood Sith that you could have as a companion. That would be awesome. Or to have as a playable race with actual quest lines that are specifically for that race. Oh my god, it would be fantastic. Like you were saying before, it would be very cool if they put in, but even cooler if they put in quest lines. Like for the oh Imperial I can't remember the name right now, but the Inquisitor. You start off as a slave, but a pureblood Sith would never be a slave, so it would be cool thinking of what they could do to change the storyline for that character. 
Yeah, it would create more work for them, of course. So it wouldn't be something that is just tossed in, say, during the patch or whatnot. It would probably be something that they put in in an expansion that is quite larger. Regardless, though, I certainly hope that it is something that they think about, that they've got on their radar that they'd like to put in. Because, I mean, at that point, we started talking about, my God, can you imagine playing as a Wookiee? You know, put put the Sith for the Imperial and a Wookiee. Or, yeah, or, oh my God, or Jawas. There's a lot of races that it would be fantastic if they allowed us to play as them as well so the 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 pure blood sith is definitely one of those i would love to see so was there anything else in that book that you wanted to talk about there was tons in the book but i can't talk about it all so now i'm just going to talk about some of the wars yeah. they had including the battle of Bathawi, the battle of aldrain and the sacking of coruscant which is actually more complex than you see the Battle of Bothawi is a battle that the Imperial had taken a lot of their people to go and take over this world. But the Republic took all of their ships and obliterated the Imperial, killing all of them. So then the Imperial, coming back for revenge as the Jedis are elsewhere came back with a group of 50,000 Imperials to take over this planet. But bombing, they couldn't because there is a shield generator. So they sent in 50,000 Imperials to take out the f shield generator. There were only 4,000 Republics and a dozen or so Jedis. But the Jedis found a way to manually put defenses and actually fought this war of 50,000 against 4,000, surviving the odds and winning one of the biggest victories of their time. Yeah, that was very cool. And it's even cooler because you look at the map. In the book, they actually have a map that they show, and you could look at the map and say, this happened here, and see as the battle progressed progressed yeah definitely the battle of aldrain was aldrain is a core world for the republic one of where the nobles of the republic lie so the imperials had taken over this world with a giant number of people but the republic took all the people they had there still, which was a tiny number, and actually made an attack back at them. They took the world back. Not just a city or a place like Bathau. They actually took back everything from this place. This is the intro to the Republic side. The first intro you see with Satelli Shan and Jace Malcolm, this is actually what happened there. Yeah, I actually did some questing on the uh, on Alderaan, so I dealt with all of the, the lords and whatnot on the Republic side, and it was very interesting. And actually, that's going to be one of the, it's going to be the quest that I'm going to talk about today on the quest line. We'll talk about that later. Yep. So moving on to Coruscant. The sacking of Coruscant is actually more so, like, more thought went into it than you see on screen. It is the intro for the Imperial side, as some of you might know, with which started with the Sith Dark Lord, Darth Malgus, coming in to the Jedi Temple and fighting these Jedis before the Jedi cruiser comes in with Sith to help him. This battle you see is just straightforward, but that's just a distraction for what really is happening. As that battle is going on underneath in room one, above them, a bounty hunter is taking out people in this right above them and getting to where the can't remember the name. I'm going to have to. The shield generator? 
It's pretty much the shield generator security system place. Oh, don't worry about it, kiddo. Keep going. Okay. And what happens there is she turns off all these things so that Darth uh, Angril, another Sith Lord, can swoop in with all his battleships and blow up the Republic side before they know what hit them. You can read what's happening and look, and it is a very deep story. Like, it is cool to see what's happening when and to see how mo how much timing and knowledge they had. Yeah, it, it's actually once you see more what's going on behind the curtains and then watch those trailers again or the cinematics, it it really makes you appreciate a lot more what's going on behind the curtain. And that will conclude That's it. the segment that I have about this. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. If you have your chance to uh, to get your hands on it, it is really, really quite interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to going over it like entirely to read everything because the the information makes you appreciate a lot more what is going on in the quest or in the in the game and various quests and, and in the cinematics and everything. So speaking speaking of quests, of course. Hello. You've reached a quest line. How may I direct your call? This week, we are going to talk about, like I said before, a Republic side quest so that we're not just doing Imperial. I don't want you guys thinking that. And the quest in this case is actually part of the quest line for the smuggler. Now, what happens with the smuggler is that you are sent, of course, all over the place to help various people and to do different things. And you are trying to track down um, one, uh, 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 I don't want to say villain because that sounds too cartoonish, but you're, you're anti anti you know anti smuggler the, the the pain in the butt that you have to get your ship from and then other things and he's just a thorn in your side constantly and then what happens is that you are when you are leaving um Coruscant, you have Risha on your deck. Now, she's not actually part of your official crew, but she's there and she has a variety of different items. And those items you have to trade with other people on various planets for specific items to, whether it's a, a map or a, a, a ship part or something like that, so that you can find where the uh, this, this um, Nocdrean tomb is with all of the, the riches that you're going to get. So one of those trades involves going to Alderaan. And so you deal with some, some nobility that is there. So you get to deal with some of them for a little while and you can even romance one of the, the characters there. The I don't know if you can romance the, the male character if you are a female smuggler, but you can romance the female noble if you are a male smuggler. And my male smuggler, he just He'll romance anything in a skirt, let me tell you. <laughs> so the uh, what happens is that at one point, a Holcom projector, a Holcom message comes up from these nobles. And that's when you get the duel as a quest. Now, what this is, is that this specific guy, Lentran, has challenged, or sorry, Lentran has been challenged. He's the noble by Zin Ballas in retaliation for the invasion of House Ballas. Now, this is something that you had to do to do that invasion because of having to trade different items and whatnot, and the lords are fighting amongst themselves and this and that. Without your help, he doesn't stand a chance. Apparently, this Len dude, he can't hold a pistol and blaster worth a hell. So, you need to intervene before it's too late. You need to head over to the suite on the second level, blah, 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 of the castle, and you need to do the duel. Now, I actually did this duel and I, I, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way. So I headed over. And what is very funny is that this is an homage to Han Solo. It's an homage to um, even Indiana Jones. If you'll remember the, the duel with the, the uh, sword fighting guy and Indy just pulls out his gun and shoots him kind of thing. It's all of that. Plus, I can even see Captain Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly when there's that episode with the duels and whatnot. You show up. And basically, one of your options that you have, before the deal, duel has even begun, one of your options is to shoot him. You can just shoot Zin, <laughs> and you, you nail him in the shoulder. 
and he falls over to the ground and he starts complaining about you having no honor and this and that and you the, the it hadn't even started officially the duel and then your option immediately afterwards is you can shoot him again. <laughs> so I shot him again. And at that point, he starts complaining and saying, ow, ow, you won, leave me alone. And then you have the option afterwards of either saying fine and accepting or saying, no, this is supposed to be a fight to the death. And at that point, it's an all-out battle against this guy. But it was so unbearably funny. I've actually got the chat transcript from it because I took a screenshot afterwards and I'll take a screenshot. I'll take that screenshot and I'll slap it in with the show notes for the, the show. So if you want to see, you'll be able to, but it was so well handled. The voice acting was so phenomenal that I very literally laughed out loud while I was doing it. It was hilarious, especially when you do the second blaster on him. It was just drop dead funny. I just could not stop laughing. Now, what's funny is that on that server that I'm playing on, I've now met some other people that aren't in my guild, but they're people that I have in my friends list and we chat quite a bit. And one of them happens to be another bount or another smuggler. So, uh, Simon, if you're listening, here's a, a nod towards you. And we chat all the time. Super nice guy. And so he was working on this quest line just ahead of me. And so I'd ask him for information periodically about how far he was or, or if I could solo it at my level, cause I was a few levels below him. And so when he had done it, he hadn't chosen to shot, shoot the guy. So as I'm doing it, I'm laughing hysterically. It was difficult to fight him afterwards just because I was still laughing. And I'm typing with Simon and I'm saying, did you shoot him? And he's going, no. And I'm going, oh, dude, you should have shot him. I shot him twice and it was just hilarious. And he was the one that was saying, it was just like Indiana Jones. And I was saying, yes, that Captain Mal and Han Solo all wrapped up together in this hilarious quest. So if you are playing as a smuggler, you will have no choice but to do the quest because it is part of the smuggler quest line. Unfortunately, the other classes won't be able to do this. But if you have the option of going into the quest with a smuggler that you know, just so that you can be a spectator, do it and make sure you ask him to kill the guy, to shoot him as part of the options. Fantastic quest. I can't recommend it enough. It's again, it's called The Duel and it's on, on uh, Alderaan. So with that, we're actually going to wrap up this episode. Thanks to everybody who joined us. Of course, you can go to thedroidcast.com to get more information about the game, about the podcast, and everything else. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us reviews. We love seeing those. You can reach us, of course, on Twitter as well, at thedroidcast, and you can send emails to thedroidcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks all for listening, and see you next week. Bye.